I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to uh, this half hour. Thanks for the news update there on the half hour. Uh, Russ Smith is uh, still with me here from Sky Call. We're going to jump right into our conversation here, but rather than that music, I thought maybe this would be more appropriate, Russell. A little little Mule Skinner blues to check in with (laughs) Charlie Jennings, who told us last week he was headed to... Oh, here we go. That's a good stuff there. Yeah. Morning, Captain. Uh... No doubt on the mule, headed to the Wind Rivers is uh, Charlie Jennings. We got you, Charlie. Oh, no. Charlie, Charlie. are you there? Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of cutting in and out. Uh, Give it another try, Charlie. Okay. There you go. Yeah, hold that thing steady, point it to the sky, and fingers crossed we'll be able to have a conversation here. What's your trip into the Wind Rivers been like so far? Saturday morning, we waited for Dave Swiss and his 10-pack goats. He came with us. We had 10 goats and four mules and six people. We took off about 11 o'clock, no, about noon. We went in close to 12 miles up and over a pass, and uh, it was pretty rugged, Tim. Uh, but mules did great, and it was... It was a lot better sitting on my ass than hiking the, <laughs> hiking the trail. <laughs> now, you sound like uh, the conditions were a surprise to you. I thought you'd been in this way before. I've uh, been into part of it um, in the Stout Creek Basin, which that was bad enough. But then we dropped about, uh, oh, I don't know, about 1,800 feet in a short amount of time, and it was rugged. And mules really dialed in and, and focused on the trail. I was ponying a mule behind me, and, and that worked out well. We found the perfect campsite. Where we've been fishing, and I'll just go ahead and tell it, we're up at Tao Lake and Coon Lake. We found a beautiful campsite at Tao Park. Conditions are perfect. Huge flat campsite, lots of shade, huge meadow for the mules, stream running through it. Uh, the guys here have been catching fish just boom, boom, boom in the stream. But, and the weather's been great. We had a little bit of a sprinkle this morning, but other than that, it's been perfect blue sky weather. What's the policy up there on fish? You have to uh, put them back, or can you eat a few? 
Uh, yeah, we can eat a few. I mean, there we the, it's, okay. because of the high pressure system now, the fishing is slow. Uh, we caught a couple of goldens, and I'll have to say we went ahead and uh, you know hooked them and ate them. So and, uh, <laughs> yeah, they tasted awesome. <laughs> Boy, that yeah. that picture you sent us of the golden that somebody else pulled out a while ago up there is just fantastic. Yeah, they're pretty brilliant, and they're hard fighters, and they don't give up. They keep fighting all the way to the bank, and then they then they make a run for it and strip out your line. But they're they're incredible fish. But uh, it's been beautiful up here. It's been a great trip. Dave Swift out of Hyde Park. He's seventy four and acts like he's thirty five. And uh, he brought in 10 pack goats, and this is his 105th trip. Wow. And he's fed us just like kings. We've, we've all probably gained weight on this trip, this <laughs> way he's been doing it. Been awesome. You didn't bring any of your goats with you this time? No, I didn't. All I've got left is just yearlings, and they're too young. And, and it was fun just to bring, you know, my riding mule, and then I, I brought my other mule to the pony along with me and then my friend from spring city brought his mule and then we put about 150 pounds on his pack mule yeah and so we got a big four four person tent with cots and kind of glamping i guess you haven't missed anything with the weather down here we finally are going to break out of the triple digits starting today thursday as we're recording this uh should be nice this weekend have you got a way of telling what the temperatures are up there at night Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been dropping down into the 40s, and uh, during the day, it's like in the 70s. It's going to be in the 60s tomorrow and the 50s for a high on, on Saturday, but we caught it, a weather window that it was a high-pressure system that came through, and uh, it's been beautiful weather. Russ, a little hard on the fishing, yeah. but, but the weather's been perfect. Russ, that sounds glorious, doesn't it? It really does sound uh, good. It does sound really good. Yo, Charlie, I, I want to send a satellite system with you next time instead of just the phone. That's one of the things that you can do with a mule instead of a goat, isn't it? Yeah, we can bring a lot. And uh, with both my mules being gated, I wasn't sore, saddle sore or anything like that. It was quite a nice ride. Yeah. Last time we tired. Yeah, last time we talked to you about your um, last mule trip, you, you said there was quite a pucker factor. Does this raise to that level, that ride in you were talking about, the 1,800-foot drop? Uh, boy, I'll tell you, my my butt was suction cupped to the saddle. That <laughs> <laughs> there was a rocky chute that was coming down. I felt like a bobsled chute, and uh, but the meals handled it quite. Besides the fish that you're catching, you said you were eating well. What what's on the menu most nights? Oh, we've had a stroganoff. Uh, just there were one pot meals. Uh, we had pancakes this morning. Uh, we had tacos. Wow. Uh, we just, uh, had great food. Dave, is, he's been doing this for 22 years and he's quite the chef. We've had, uh, uh, cheesecake for dessert. <laughs> sounds like you're really, hey. sounds like you're really roughing it out there. Yeah, it's been tough. I, Oh, it's been tough. Yeah. All right. Uh, so how much longer are you going to be up there, and what, is it, what does it look like for the weekend? What we're going to do is we're going to pack up uh, and go into Three Forks Park. It's about five miles. Uh, we're going to pack up tomorrow and go there, kind of a halfway point, 
And then uh, Saturday morning, we're going to pack up and head back to Worthen Meadows Trailhead. So one day will be about five and a half miles. The next day will be six and a half miles. We're going to split it up two days. That first day was pretty rough. Yeah. And this way, we'll just be following the Paposia River, so there's going to be li very little elevation change. It'll be easier on the hikers, and it'll be easier on the mules, too. It's great to have you on the phone, Charlie. It's great to have this live. For anybody out there, go go see the Wind Rivers. You don't have to go very far in to see how beautiful these mountains are. It's just always gorgeous. There's lakes all over the place. There's fishable streams and rivers. It's just fantastic. And we'll look forward to hearing your report next week, Charlie. Excellent. Thank you for letting me borrow the phone. And also thank oh, yeah. you for letting me be on the show. Yeah, always a pleasure. And uh, particularly, it's inspiring. You don't know how bad I need something like this where I just disconnect yeah. <laughs> from the world and take in the view. Even if you don't want to fish, you can just kick back and wait to be fed and enjoy some cooler air. All right, uh, going to take a break here. One more segment coming up. No, this hour, yeah. Uh, Navidomskis with his fish bites will uh, join us next. Stay with us. Trail out with a little mule skinner blues here. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Loved his cars and his steel guitars. Papa was a fishing man. Oh, wait, wait. A fishing man. All right, Navidomskis, before you get into uh, your fish bites for the week, and you said it's been a tough week, I just have to ask you about a link that I uh, put over onto our Facebook page, which is KSL Outdoors Radio. It, it, they called it the uh, best fishing hack, and that is going into a Bass Pro Shop. I wonder if you've ever done this. Probably not. You know what? What? When we were in Florida, we saw Bass Pro Shop. In fact, it was right there where we had lunch, if you look over to the right. Oh, yeah. And my boys are like, man, look at that. I go, that's a mall unto itself. Well, Finn caught a bass down there, didn't he, while we oh, were? Oh, yeah. Oh, Finn takes his rod everywhere he goes. Um, and my, I love my my other son. He gave it like a comment, uh, live action, because when they grew up watching Turtle Man, <laughs> Turtle Man, <laughs> Turtle Man on the Discovery. No, it was on the Nature, uh, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, Animal Planet. I Animal Planet. I remember Turtle Man. Well, they watched him every week with me. We, he'd go after turtles and fish, and we love him. He goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Live action. So my my son with, with that photo put a lot of live action comments because yeah. we were finally in Florida. Well, that was a nice mess. Anyway, what they're what they're telling people to do because they always have the big tanks there with bass in them. Yeah, is that you can sort of take certain lures for a test drive to see if the fish are actually attracted to it. There's a video right. of somebody walking up to the tank and wiggling. Uh, this lure, you know, in front of it, or, or taking a spinner and just seeing if the fish are attracted to it. You ever done that? I mean, you talk about when you're fly fishing to match the hatch. This is sort of a way to see what they're attracted to right there in Bass Pro Shops. Tim, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Look, aquariums work fine. You want to know what your fly looks like to the fish? Put it on the surface and then get under the aquarium and look. Yeah. So I've been doing that forever. And, by the way, speaking of that bass, you know, I go, hey, Finn, what would you get on? He didn't want to say, but he got my friends out there listening from my classes. Mean Gene. And then he, <laughs> we all laughed. Mean Gene, you went all the way to Florida and you caught the big bass on a Mean Gene? Yeah, that was great. Well, that's hilarious. But anyway, yeah. let's talk fishing, okay? And, by the way, what a terrible week to talk fishing. It's been nothing but bad. Um, my friends, I tried to call them to see what it was because I was in Florida. I didn't get any fishing. I wanted to know what the story was, and they were all like, most were like it was too hot to go, but a couple said it was awful, and it was awful. These temperatures we had this week were horrific to the fishery. Um, so let's let's go ahead and try to make a lemonade out of it anyway, and and uh, I want to talk about how to release the fish during summer months. And then it hit me that you got to catch one first. So how are you going to catch them with these temps? And hopefully next week's going to be better for us. But your your only option is the lake. Okay, forget about the rivers. They're way too warm. It's hope the fish survive. But it, it's just not going to, unless you're like in the middle of the night. Um, anyway, look at a lake and during top high temperatures as a reverse topo. So when you look at the topo map of the mountains and the valleys, the same thing happens on the underside of the lake. So wherever rivers come into lake, they forge a stream bed. So there's little canyons and low places on the bottom of a lake. And you can, can you tell that without getting a scuba deer, gear running around or swimming around looking for those? Yes. Just look at the topography right now above the water. Find where the low places are where the water would come if it came and what it would do to the bottom of the lake, and it would carve out these valleys. These are where you want to fish. And um, hardcore float tube people, and by the way, I'm teaching a float tube class this fall, but it's pretty much full. But anyway, just so you know, um, they have little <clears throat> buoys. You drop your buoys. Here's where it, it, you know, it gets higher. Here's where it gets lower. So you keep within the buoys, and you'll catch all the fish because literally every fish in that lake wants to survive. And how do you survive when it's 105? You've got to get to the coolest part. So the cold water is going to be in the lowest places of those lakes. And that's where you're going to find them. In some ways, it's easier to catch them when the Thames are high because they're all congregated. But anyway, enough of that. When you do catch them, how are you going to release these fish without them going belly up? Because just because you release them does not mean they're going to make it. In fairness, they probably won't. So you have to be very responsible. And let's just stick with the basics. First off, never touch a fish without wetting your hands. That dry skin is very adhesive to the film that's on a fish it sticks to your hands it sticks to your nets and makes the fish completely vulnerable vulnerable to all kinds of disease it's pretty much not going to make it if you touch a fish with dry hands and the worst thing you can have is a net that's nylon nylon just kills fish so i recommend rubber nets and make sure you wet your hands and then 
with this heat the way it's been, you can't just release them. You have to sit them in the net. And if you're going to be audacious enough to catch them in this temps, at least save them by peep, keeping them in the net like a long time. Now, you can, uh, you know, you can hurry up the oxygenation process by moving them, by keeping their head up and grabbing the tail and pushing them head, basically resuscitating by letting water run over their gills. But really, the low level of oxygen that exists in the molecules at high temperature is inadequate to resuscitate them. So let them sit in your net for a long time. Otherwise, they're going to go swimming away, and then they're going to stop, and then they're going to turn upside down, and they're going to go right to the bottom, and they'll be just a carcass in the moss. Mm. So you've got to like be patient with them. Just because they feel like they want to go and they're moving around, it's still not enough time. Just let them sit there in the net. Be catching another fish, watching them, watching them. Give them about 20 minutes, I mean that long, and then release them. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's good advice. And uh, taking a little bit more time is probably something a lot of people do not do. They want to get back on with their fishing. That's great, great tips. All right. Uh, Got to take a break. ABC News at the top of the hour. We'll get the latest there. And on the other side, we'll talk more fishing. Actually putting your pet fish your goldfish, and other species where they don't belong. Faith Jolly joins us next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and Get ready, because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.